0: Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is Fucking fucking Killing killing Me. (laughs) I'm Rainy. I'm Corinne. I'm sick. Keep yourself well. Guys, it's fall. Guys, it's fall. (laughs) (laughs) I sound like this. She's probably set up, actually.
1: Rainy probably has strep. Yeah. So so I've taped her mic a different color, so it's only hers forever. (laughs) just kidding
0: I was like really (laughs) I'm so offended (laughs) guys it's fall the weather has changed and I have strep throat and so keep yourself well I'm gonna go buy some oil of oregano after this ew gross just let it sit in this cesspool of germs in the back of my throat (laughs) how's your Tuesday morning for you welcome everyone (laughs) (laughs)
1: we hope everybody voted yesterday fuck yeah And if not yesterday in the advance polls,
0: and if you didn't vote. I guess it's kind of weird because we're right now, we're recording this and it's Saturday. Yes. So we don't know what the results of the election True. So we're speaking to our our future selves. Yeah. I guess. Our future selves. (laughs) Totally. We don't Um, know what's going to happen. No, it's tight.
1: It's probably a minority government. Did oh. you
0: see that President Obama gave Justin Trudeau a, <laughs> a shout out? A shout out on Twitter? Yeah, an endorsement? Yes. They're best buds. It's very weird, though. Like, it's does very, that matter? Does no, it, it doesn't inf- matter. It's just it's interesting to me that a president would give an, a president from a different country would give an endorsement to a prime minister. Of different leaders. Especially under, like, this, like, regime that's happening right now with—we're talking a lot about, like, meddling in the elections in different countries mm. and, like, whether influence of other leaders and other people from other countries really matter when they're not living under the conditions of people in this country, you know? Yeah, So yeah. I think it's—it's it's a weird thing to do, and I thought it was very unexpected from Obama's end. Hmm. Interesting.
1: hmm That's super interesting.
0: I also wonder if it's, like—
1: they see like what's happening even though we're not a two-party system something very similar is happening right now right then what happened in the United States too it's like left versus right Mm mm-hmm but in the liberal and conservative case it's like center versus right right (laughs) right cuz like really right is like NDP and the Green Party right yeah or really left excuse me really left
0: Mm -hmm. mm-hmm so maybe it's like they're trying to help, but I don't know if that'll... I think that'll just, like, split the vote more, to be honest with you. Mm. Because that only happened two days ago. Yeah. So, like, people like me who were split between two parties mm-hmm. and, like, were really... Didn't vote in the advance polls because I wasn't completely positive on who I was voting for yet, and I wanted to wait to see what happened this week. Yeah. To see if, like, any other information came out about the parties that I was between. or And it actually did. Um, an arts organization released... A bunch of information on how these parties are going to help artists and how they're going to help with granting resources Mm -hmm. and that really helped because that was only like that was only information that i saw yesterday right what have
1: i what have what i i have seen is that it's probably going to be a minority government yeah um so all the fear-mongering about strategic voting is stupid Mm -hmm. vote who you want to vote for vote
0: who we hope that you voted who you wanted to vote for yeah
1: yeah yeah we hope you did and vote for like what you would want in the next 20 years
0: Mm
1: -hmm. right what you would where the Canada that you would want to live in in the next like 20
0: years yeah exactly so we hope that everybody's waking up today (laughs) with a smile on their face or at least somewhat happy um I mean, I'm going to straight up say it. I remember last year when Ford government got voted in and we found out that night just Mm. within Ontario. And it was very upsetting. And I was very hungover and mad when I woke up the (laughs) next morning because we just started drinking wild turkeys on the rocks when that happened out of fear and hatred. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I, I hope everybody isn't hungover or is at least hungover for a good reason. Or I hope people are okay with what happened and the
1: results. Yeah. Um, The other thing we wanted to talk about, we've been seeing a little bit of debate going on about what it costs to take class in Toronto. Yeah. If it's
0: worth it, if it's not worth it. How much is too much money? Yeah. And I feel like we had this conversation actually like a year ago with maybe a guest about how much is too much money for classes Mm. or how much... Is too little for like a business to run, right? I don't know. I do think that we have to understand that businesses, like we talked about, businesses that are for profit do have to turn a profit. Yeah, and they do they have, have to keep the that lights they're on. running. Yeah. So, you know, things like GMD, which is great, an organization, great moving yeah. dancers, it, but it's a not-for-profit. It's a not-for-profit. It runs out of um, a building that already exists, and it has arts funding. Yeah. And it's a great. It does does great. I really appreciate them and what yeah. they're doing. Their classes cost between nine and twelve dollars. Yeah, yeah. And it only runs three days: Monday, and Tuesday, Wednesday. That is going to be completely different than a building or establishment that runs week long, every single day, mm-hmm. all day, all day, all styles, all styles, all types of movement, all types of dancers. Mm-hmm. There are there is going to be a price difference. Yeah, I think. And
1: I also think that if they're a new studio or they've been around for two decades, that's also going to play into their pricing. Mm -hmm. Um, What I have enjoyed seeing is the teachers and the dancers that are starting to hold classes and workshops on their own. They've moved like outside of the studios. They've booked their own space in some sort of like rec center that's probably super affordable. They've dropped their class prices and they're including more people. They're probably also making more money.
0: I would think, yeah.
1: Yeah. And probably, like, it's much more worth their time. And it's much
0: more probably aligned with their goals
1: and values. And they don't have to be
0: under, you know, under the, like, we have to shoot a video at the end of every rehearsal. We have to do this, this, and this. It's everything that they're producing and everything that they're creating and they're teaching is truly what those instructors value and Mm -hmm. what they think you're not getting influenced by higher-ups or feeling pressure from, you know, the board to get your numbers up so you can get more money. Right. Because let's be honest, are these teachers getting paid what they should be paid if each class is almost $30? Um, And they have 20 people in their class? No.
1: No. They're not. I had a friend tell me the other day that they had just renegotiated their contract, so they got a base fee and then... Once they hit a certain amount, they got more money per head. And the number that that studio put it as is more than the room that she's slotted in allows. Like more bodies? Yeah. So the room only fits 12 people, but they're like, if you have 20 people in your
0: class, we'll pay you more per head. Isn't that bananas? (laughs) And they, but they won't allow anybody else in there because of the regulations. Yeah. Because it's a small room. Isn't that crazy? Fuck. This person
1: told me this story and I was like, just did my stress face and was like, who who are they fooling?
0: Also, like, do you just think we're fucking stupid? Do you think <laughs> that we, we can, can only th- count to eight? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I don't know. It's, we need to start paying people properly. Right. You know, maybe we should have thought about, Maybe we should have looked at I don't know a budget before we decided to build and remodel a completely new building and then raise our class prices white when we move into it.
1: Mhm.
0: Maybe we should be actually looking at budgets and how to run how businesses run a proper business and gain income and everything goes up before we just buy a space in downtown Toronto or rent a space in downtown Toronto. Mhm. I think we need to start really looking into like budgeting and maybe that's like a resource that arts like Canada Arts Council should be offering. And, or maybe there could be like a town hall or something about we should how to properly budget for this. Right.
1: Not just like every time you write a grant, you're making up a budget on the fly because you don't know how to do one.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Yeah.
1: You're like, I think this is a thing that goes here. You're accounting
0: for like bullshit that you don't even know
1: that you're accounting for. Right. And then when you actually make something, you're like, oh, I didn't know I would have to pay for this.
0: Yeah. $500 later. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know how we, how we make it better. I don't know what the solution is. And I understand, like, the people who are running a business and they're trying to make a profit and they're trying to pay their rent and, you know, yeah. all of those things. But where's that money actually going? Where's it going? I would love to see a breakdown of every single, every, like, not every single, but I would love to see a breakdown of studios who run classes in Toronto's budget. Mm-hmm. And be, like, transparent. Be completely transparent about how much money is going into your pocket, how much money is going into the, the talents, which yeah. is the teacher's. Yeah. Pockets. How much are you putting back into the community if oh, you're charging yeah. that much? Are you running, I don't know, community like a junior classes. company? Are you running a community class so that you can hit those um, those communities that can't afford $30 a class? Are you oh. running a bursary program through arts organizations? Like, yeah. Probably not. Are you offering continuing education to your instructors? Do you have a company for 18 to 22? Yeah. No. So I think...
1: We're also not just talking about one studio. We're talking about like in ge- the general landscape of Toronto dance. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I'd be very interested to see a studio release their truly transparent budget on where their money is going. Mm-hmm. And how much they pay instructors. Yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. Because I mean, I know that, and this is just speaking from like one experience I've had at a studio in Montreal that I used to take drop-ins in. Mm-hmm. And it was like a, let's call it commercial dance. It wasn't like a contemporary movement studio. It was, commercial dance and they would run a company they only had three studios in it they had classes at night i think their classes were like 24 dollars but and they were like filled the studios weren't the biggest studios but they also ran a company program out of it mm-hmm. for ages 18 to 24 they had cheap class night which they would like alternate instructors and the classes would only be like 12 dollars. oh that's cool yeah and that they ran like community classes there was a bunch of stuff that they did. I just don't know why. I know Toronto is like a different demographic and a different market. I just don't know why. I, the, why problems. Do you feel like the dance community in Montreal is a lot
1: more centralized maybe? And it's because Toronto feels very fragmented. In terms of like where lo- studio locations are or what do you mean? And um, like where and types of styles, like you'd go to Urban dance, you go one place. Jazz dance, you go to another place. This, you go one. You know what I mean?
0: No, I would say it's it's still quite fragmented in Montreal. Although a, a lot of the studios are in the same area, I will say. Mm. But the community is also smaller. Question mark. I don't know mm. geography.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, like, but there's less dancers in Montreal, so the like. Yeah. The, uh,
0: I don't know. Oh. I actually don't know. I would say that Montreal and Toronto probably have. Similar amounts of dancers. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people have moved to Toronto recent or moved to Montreal recently. It's true. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe that's a good question to ask everybody. Do we think that the Montreal dance community is bigger or smaller than the Toronto one? And do we think that more dancers are moving to Montreal and why? Mm-hmm. So yeah. For everyone that doesn't know, we put out a call for a junior producer for the podcast. Um, Corinne and I both have very crazy schedules, and we decided it was time to bring in another pal. Yep. To hire someone. To hire someone. So we put out a call, and after three weeks of applications and interviews, we finally found, well, we finally were able to choose one of the great, great people that applied. Yeah. The lovely Devin. The lovely Devin. So she is going to start being with us. Yeah. And we're very excited. We just need somebody to do scheduling and to help with, you know, we want to make sure that the podcast is curated in a way that. Isn't just our liking exactly just isn't our liking? There's people from all over, voices from all over. Everyone has different stories, and we thought the best way to do that was bring in someone who had a different opinion or different view. Mm-hmm. And we think Devon is going to be great at that.
1: Yeah, we're really excited. Um, and because the last few weeks have been very crazy for us, we are going to re-release an old episode Mm -hmm. um, because unfortunately we just couldn't get
0: a guest in, Mm -hmm. you know, shit happens. Life happens. Yeah. We had a guest scheduled. We rescheduled with them multiple times and yeah, guys, shit fucking (laughs) happens. So here we are Saturday, Saturday. I have strep (laughs) (laughs) and I hope you're having a great Tuesday.
1: (laughs) Um, But we decided to re-release aria evans episode from season one Mm -hmm. because she had is producing her first evening length work solo show under her company political movement at the end of the month which runs october 30th to november 2nd it is called in the abyss it's the world premiere and it's at the citadel
0: yeah and if um you remember sarita who was the end of last season she Mm -hmm. is in the show yes um there's a other great dancers. Um we loved having Sarita and Arya on the podcast and go buy your tickets because everything in the Citadel has been selling out. Mm-hmm. Whoever is, you know, doing their bookings and you know, curating, curating what goes there, well done. Mm-hmm. Clearly they're offering a good price for producers and choreographers and shows that want to go in there. Yeah, and if you've never been there, it's a nice cute little
1: cute. It's a nice black box space. It's a gorgeous size. It offers a lot of things for any sort of work.
0: Also, if you saw Amaras Playlist last year, you know that it can be transformed into like oh, a round yeah. setting. It's, it's easily... It's,
1: you can do a lot of things with it. Yeah. Totally.
0: Yeah. So uh, yes, we're very excited. Please listen to Aria's episode. Please go buy tickets to our show. Let us know what you think about all this chit-chat about the elections and about arts funding and also about studios and pricing.
2: Yeah. Here we go. In retrospect, I think I would have preferred to do my master's than my bachelor of fine arts there. But right. there were things that I also gained that I wouldn't have been able to get if I hadn't been there. Like film was something that I found because of that degree, which right. I am so grateful for having that in my life mm-hmm. now. But yeah, there were problems.
0: Were you Are you from Toronto originally?
2: No, I grew up from... Um, On the West Coast,
1: Vancouver Island, Victoria, B.C. Um, So you must have felt really at home in the mountains. I love the mountains.
2: It was interesting because I was working with a friend who's from the prairies and we were talking about like, I was like, oh, like the mountains make me feel at home and I love being able to like look up at architecture and feel like I'm insignificant or humbled or like small in some way. And like, I feel really comfortable here. And she's like, oh, I feel really claustrophobic in the mountains. And for me, like, no. I had to imagine what the horizon looked like oh. when I was a kid. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Like, I, yeah, just how land and, like, our surroundings influence, yeah, what we're interested in and how we feel in different spaces. It's like, I would never imagine feeling claustrophobic amongst, no. amongst mountains. And I would... Find it challenging to like imagine a horizon in a prairie.
0: Place. Right, right. I mean, I never, being from the prairies, mm-hmm. I never found, I never had that experience that she did with the mountains, making her feel, making me feel claustrophobic. Um, I think I just like felt something different. Like it was a yeah. different. I also don't think I really appreciated the prairies until. Mm. Until you live in, like, a city. Yeah,
2: yeah. there's space. Like, there's space between the things. The stars. Like, you I grew up with
0: that stars. in my backyard. It's,
1: yeah, yeah. It's very weird not being able to, like, see the sky at night.
2: Yeah. Where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in Alberta. Okay. Yeah. So
2: similar, like, mm-hmm. mountain yeah. landscapes. Yeah. Oh, I hit the ocean. Yeah. Yeah, BC was great. Like, I, I essentially left as soon as I could. I came to Toronto for university because... I wanted to get as far away from my family as I could. <laughs> but I also, like, at the time, I was like, oh, maybe I can do a double major. Maybe I can do kinesiology and dance at the same time. Because my mom was always like, you need a backup plan. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, an easy idea of what a backup plan could be. But in my first year, I um, in anatomy, I you had the, the choice to, like, take two exams throughout the year and have your grade be split between two to take three exams between the year and have your oh. grade be split between three or to just do one exam. And that was your grade. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to do that one exam. No, <laughs> yeah. Oh, <no. laughs> I didn't study and I ended up just like drawing patterns on my <laughs> sheet. I passed. I got oh. a D plus. Um, these get degrees. Yeah. Ooh. And it was bad. It was, it was bad. <laughs> and I was just like, well, clearly kinesiology isn't for me, but I mean, in my, like in second and third year, Donna Krasnow did kinesiology mm-hmm. and I was like actually interested in that cause she was a great teacher, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It all depends.
0: Did you, why did you go to Toronto instead of Vancouver?
2: I think, I think it was the program. Like I thought that York University was kind of the only place that had kinesiology and dance, oh, okay. and before University
0: of Calgary Yeah,
2: and uh, yeah. Vancouver wasn't far enough away. Like I, mm-hmm. I feel that yeah. I was quite sheltered by my mom. My mom was a single mom, and I kind of just needed space from her. I wanted to figure out who I was on my own, even though like moving into residence and like living with a roommate is not really like finding out who you are on your own, but. <laughs> That's where I'm at now. Finding out who I am on my own. 29, <laughs> ten years later. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Toronto's an interesting city. I remember even just like stepping out of the plane and realizing, for the first time, like Victoria, BC, is quite white. Like my half of my family is British, and that was kind of like what Victoria was. It was a lot of. British people Mm -hmm. that were living there. And I just remember like walking off of the plane and like walking down the streets of Toronto and seeing like true multiculturalism for the first time. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like I can see myself in the people on these streets. Like Mm -hmm. I feel like I maybe belong here and that there's a place for me. I can blend in in a way that I always felt like I stood out when I walked down the streets of my small town. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's something that also has kept me here. The fact that like, I don't know. There's there's an anonymousness to the city that I'm really interested in.
0: In terms of that, you can walk down the street and like blend yeah. in
2: more. Yeah, yeah. That you can kind of blend in. Yeah, and then like stand up on stage and stand out.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how big is Victoria? I don't know how many like what the population is, but it's small. Like you can drive from one end of the city to the other end in about.
1: Ten, fifteen minutes. Yeah. So you like if you go grocery shopping, you're gonna always run into somebody you know or somebody yeah. that's a friend of a friend and
2: yeah, like it's it's a small city. I wouldn't call it like a town. But yeah, it feels it feels intimate. Like it mm. feels like you'd run into people no matter where. Actually anytime I
1: go home, I like run into somebody and I'm just like, oh hi. <laughs> it's like i one of the things I struggle with when I go back home, because my town is super small. Yeah. Like 1,500 people. Whoa. Yeah. And I, like, I don't like leaving the house, because sometimes I just don't want to yeah. make it's hard small talk with people. Like, I really, like, I care about those people, because I grew up in that town, and they, like, they helped me, like, shaped who I was growing right. up, but... I just don't want to constantly explain myself. Yeah, and also like, oh, when are you moving back? Yeah, yeah. like, do I need to? Yeah, (laughs) or it's like constantly like, oh, how's the big city girl? I'm like, I just
0: don't. Also, you don't have time to see everybody that you feel the pressures to see. Yeah, and And still feel relaxed and see my family. Because like, I'll go home and I'll walk into like out for restaurants with my family. And then I'll get messages from people and be like, Oh, I hear you're in town. (laughs) no.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I've like become less and less connected. I think with that community, like my mom too, she doesn't live there anymore. So like I do still have family there, but when I visit her, it's usually not where I grew up. So it's interesting. Like there's less and less reasons to go home. Mm-hmm. But then when I think about this idea of like, what is home? Where is home? That's a whole other thing. Cause now, because I've lived in Toronto for 10 years, I'm like, isn't this my home now?
0: Yeah. We just made a dance film about that yeah. exact thing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Or like at what point if you've lived somewhere else longer than where you grew up is where you grew up still home Right. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: or if you never felt connected to that place, yeah, if you didn't enjoy living there, but it's where you were born or where your parents are, why do you still call it home? Yeah. Or why do you like feel pressure to call it home? Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. an interesting thing.
2: I mean, I will say that there is a part of me that likes being able to say that I'm from the West coast mm-hmm. no. <laughs> <Yep>. mm-hmm. <laughs> as opposed to like, I'm a Torontonian. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why that is.
0: I also had two strikes while I was there. Two strikes? Two. Oh, and they can't do that anymore. They can only do it every three years, four years. Jesus Christ. Why is your work constantly striking? It's like so liberal. <laughs> so liberal. That's <laughs> like the best way to say it, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. They run off of a
2: like a, corporate business model instead of a like what's best for the people that are here motto. If that's why <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a numbers game. Yeah.
2: New York for sure.
0: So I feel like just different air in there compared to like, if you go into like one of the old buildings in Ryerson or mm. someplace like TDT, has gotten so much history. It's just all take more people, produce more graduates. It feels like make more money. Yeah. Take more money. So because of that, there are some like wonderful, I mean like we're, you're living proof, wonderful artists coming out of that university. Like, you know, there's Araya, like Denise, like those artists are all doing great things, but I think there's also a lot that we're probably with them that aren't.
2: Yeah. (laughs) You know, my class of like 60 graduating students, three of us are working in the community.
0: Yeah. Which is insane. 60 is a lot. It's a lot. That's
1: that's a big big class. How many graduated in your class at university of Calgary?
0: I think under 20, but C and P, which is like the full degree. Yeah. Choreography, only, f- yeah. only seven. Oh wow. Yeah. But that's still like seven or eight. Wow. But that's just because you, like Corinne still has, you didn't do CMP, right? No. She still has a dance degree. Yeah. Right. But she doesn't have her CMP, but it's more general.
1: Yeah. Right. It's just like, I didn't take that stream. Right. Yeah. Um, but even in my year, which is a year behind rainy, mm-hmm. there was only 14 of us. Yeah. That's amazing. I don't know. <laughs> so much better.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
1: How many did? There's a lot. See. Not saying
0: there I mean, there was more people than that in the class, because they like combine. Yeah. With like levels. Mm-hmm. But, I, I think know. it was a good size. It was enough that you could like hide if you wanted, and be mm-hmm. not hidden if you didn't <laughs> want to. Um,
1: but I don't know. It's like very interesting to watch people go through art. Fine art degrees, and then watch what they do after. Yeah. And yeah. It's okay; like you can change your mind. You can decide that's not for you. Because yeah. I'm sure people do that in other streams all the time, right? Yeah, or yeah. It's just like interesting.
0: What's yeah interesting about dance is that a lot of the programs are like contemporary based mm-hmm. or ballet based, and. I feel like it's interesting that there's no university program that strictly develops the business ideas of going into a studio setting.
2: York, York has that though. Oh, do they? Yeah. York has like a, a teaching s- stream, okay. like a pedagogy, yeah. teaching pedagogy. Mm. And they also have, uh, like courses where I think it's usually in the context of like a senior project where you create the budget and the business plan to open your dance studio. Oh, interesting. And I through on it. Because I had a lot of people in my year do, do that. that. And they ah. went through the like dance mm-hmm. pedagogy. Yeah. But I think that's why York also has... So many. Um, maybe a like lower technical output. Because people are interested in different things. Like, mm-hmm. Somebody might just want to be a teacher. Somebody might just want to be a dance therapist.
1: Somebody might just want to be a choreographer. Yeah. That's also great, though because I feel like there was no other option for me at the University of Calgary. It was like, you're going to be a performer, you're going to be an artist, or you're going to be... A very specific type of contemporary art. It was like, like you could be like
0: a contemporary dance artist, you can be like that weird vernacular old school jazz that (laughs) DJ D does. Right. Which is essentially what it splits the the program Program. into. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can just like get lost. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So it was... But I think that's like
2: kind of also the community that we're a part of, like you have to make your own opportunities to survive. Yes. And yeah, it's like fight or flight. What are you going to do? Are you going to like conform to one of those ideas? Are you going to keep pushing and expanding to find your place and your voice within it?
0: Mm -hmm. I think. -hmm. So are you working on that right now in the city? Like, are you trying to make your own with the go-to company? Yeah. You're kind of creating your own voice and yeah, I mean,
2: I started creating work when I was really young. I was like 11 and I would like enter things in competitions because I thought it was cool. But mainly I didn't like the stories that people were asking me to tell and I didn't relate to the kinds of like experiences that I was being given to interpret. So, from like the age of 11, I was like I'm going to make my own dances and I'm going <laughs> to tell my own stories. But that's been something that's kind of followed me through into now my, like, young adult life is this idea that I want to create a space for voices that are underrepresented in our dance form. And for me, that includes, like, people with different cultural backgrounds and people that, like, have different experiences of the world. And where can I bring those voices to a platform and onto stages so that yeah everyone feels like they have a place and they have a voice mm-hmm. in the in the community. Um, so yeah, with the GoTo company, I always say that I make like socially and politically <laughs> engaged work, and really, that just comes out of my own personal interests and the experiences of the people that I bring together, like the piece that I'm developing now that gets presented this time next year is like using the four artists that I'm working with personal experiences and like abstracting them into a narrative. I ask each of them to like choose four life events that made them who they are. And from like zero to seven, seven to 14, Mm -hmm. 14 to 22, 22 and older. And we are like starting to figure out what is the universal, universal lived experience within them with a the goal of like, I don't know, I think for me, I want to find where we all have something in common. What is our common ground? How can we relate to each other better? That's what I've always tried to do through dance is show, show people what we have in common, how we can be like a more accepting, more open community for a difference. And Yeah yeah, I just want people to be able to see themselves in other people
1: that are different from them. Mm -hmm. I think that's what really like makes you as an audience member fully engaged in a piece,
0: Hmm. being able to relate
1: to something. Yeah, totally. And I think like
0: people are looking for narrative often. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it also like, I think encourages compassion. Totally. Right. Mm -hmm. If you can't see yourself in the person in front of you or you can't feel Find their humanity, then you have no compassion for them. You're going to look at them as if they're not a human, right. As if they're not a person. Yeah. And then it's easy to dismiss them mm-hmm. or it's easy to be mean.
2: Yeah. And forgetting. for me, like compassion is what the world needs. So if we can like model that behavior on stage, maybe we can make the world a better place, but that's my, like, we can change the world. The dance <laughs> mantra. That, like, dance It's like step by step. And like, Kind of naive to say that, but I do believe that fundamentally that compassion is like the root to bringing people together. Essentially, mm-hmm. can we know the artists that you're working with right now? Yeah, David Norsworthy, Great. Anna Groppler, Anna Groppler, uh, Irvin Chow, and Sarita Hector. I love her. Yeah, they're amazing artists and when I work with people, I really ask them to bring parts of themselves and to be really vulnerable and to be open to having an opinion. And I work really collaboratively. So they're also like informing how the piece is coming together, which to me is so exciting. I, I think work is stronger when we have an open dialogue in rehearsal spaces. So yeah, like as the creator or the creative lead, knowing that like, some of my ideas are going to get let go of, and some of my ideas are going to continue to become stronger because of somebody else's opinion is like the dream. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Are you performing as well or just choreographing, creating?
2: Not in this piece. I find it really hard to be in the work that I'm making. Um, I think that it's harder to remove yourself from how something feels versus how something looks Uh, When I perform in my own work, I get really caught up in like, oh, this moment like feels so good, Mm -hmm. but it might not look good. Mm -hmm. Right. And like for me, considering what an audience is seeing is important. Like my work is audience driven. I want to make work for the general public. I don't necessarily want to make dance for dancers. So like finding finding sort of the aesthetic or what the dance is saying by how it looks is important. And I find, yeah, it's it's hard to remove yourself and to not get attached to certain things when you're inside it. So having like the outside kind of view, I'm like, great. Like you can kind of, I don't know, mm-hmm. you can Read. edit through anything. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. I have like performed in one, One of my works, but I brought people into the process to help me make the movement, Mm -hmm. which was like so good because then I didn't just like lie on the floor and
0: cry for every (laughs) rehearsal because that's how I feel. Frankly like solo work, you do solos. (laughs) You literally just sit there and you do one thing. You're like that was.
2: So dumb. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, like, I'll film this. I'll film
0: this and I'll rewatch it and,
2: yeah. like, I'll remount it. And then you, like, watch yourself and you're like, everything is awful. I hate it.
0: So much self doubt when you oh, do it for you yourself. You
2: have to confront
0: all of your, like, inner demons. I was working on a piece for actually um, a class with Natasha and nice. Patricia. <laughs> and I had to use a prop, and for it, I was like, I was really interested in this idea of, like, the body parts not like similar to Mateo's idea not seeing like the face but also not seeing certain parts of the body and just seeing like really isolating certain parts of it yeah so like an elbow or like an arm or a leg and then I was also interested in this idea of like this like being just like coming from the stage so it looked like it was like under the stage, but cool. the body part was anyway, so like, the best way to like figure this out, because you have like a week to develop yeah, something, <laughs> nothing. you know um, was like, to use a sheet, like, a, like I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, the black floor, so I'll use a black sheet Right, to like, right. you know and then I like started creating, and I was like, okay, so like not only am I developing solo work I'm also developing solo work where I'm under a black sheet, <laughs> and I can't fucking see what I'm creating <laughs> And I was just like sitting there like hot and sweaty from like the thickness of the sheet and just like, (sighs) everything is awful. This was a terrible idea. (laughs) Anyway, so that's still on the back burner to be problem solved.
2: (laughs) Get a like plastic sheet that you can see through so you can still get the idea of like the architecture of the movement, but like how it moves and stuff. That's smart. Maybe. Yeah. One well, that's like plastic, the kind of like... Like the painting cover? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. Even then they're like, I was like, oh yeah, I'll get like black sheet, black stage. Yeah. And then I walk into the rehearsal space and the floor is white. Yeah. I just was like, like oh. <laughs> I <can't> imagine <laughs> you just like laying Sometimes there. Sometimes <laughs> bringing in a babysitter.
2: Like I hired my friend and at first I was like, you're my studio babysitter. But really she was like an outside eye yeah and i was just like you just need to make sure that i do things like you just need to like Hold me accountable for the time that I am spending here. Yeah. It's so like, easy not to do yeah. anything yeah. if you're by yourself. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or like, say you're working from home, but really yeah. you're not. Yeah. You always know it's bad when, like, your friends have said that they're going into the studio and you see, like, 10 social media posts.
0: Yeah. And you're <laughs> like, I think that
2: you're not working. I think yeah. that you've opened Facebook. And yeah. I'm guilty of that, too. I do that.
0: Just there's there's, like, do so that. much self Doubt And, like, starting is hard. Yeah. yeah. Starting something Certainly and then developing the movement. And then it's just, like, not what you first think it's going to be like. It's, like, such a rock in a hard place moment.
2: Yeah, there's that, like, cycle meme of, like, you start off with the idea and you really like it. And then you start to doubt it. And then you're like, this is the worst thing I've ever made. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, my God, I should quit my job. Why am I doing this? And then it's like, oh, maybe this is, this is okay. And it's like, oh, my God figured it out. It's like, where are you in that? You're like, (laughs) I'm "I'm here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Every morning, just wake up and self-check where you are. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've made works that never like get to the full circle where I like get to the point where
0: I'm like, this is the worst thing
2: I've ever made. And I'm like, well, it's going on stage. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) bye. Do Do you feel that pressure when you receive like funding that you have to present something that's like, even if you don't like love it you have to move through it you have to have
1: a product because someone has given you money
2: not okay not so much funding but when I'm a part of like a festival or Mm. when I have a like presenting date Mm. with a partner that's I think when I feel the pressure to like put something out into the world I feel like with funding you can kind of make choices along the way and you can change your interests to align with the project, however you want. That's something that I think like, especially in the way that we write grants, like it's not possible to actually write a grant four months or like even longer Mm. than you started and to still do exactly what you said you were going to do, like ideas and interest shift. And like, I write grants in a way that like leaves room for that project to kind of like reshape itself Mm -hmm. when I maybe, (laughs) maybe get the money. Um, but definitely like say Summerworks is like, great, I'm going to um like these are the dates of your show run. I've got like I did a show I think in two thousand and seventeen at Summerworks where I was like, I need like another six months but yeah. the presentation oh, yeah. is now. And I mean in those situations at least it's a works in progress kind of like uh test testing an idea out scenario, mm-hmm. but but that scares me for the future. Like, what if a big presenter is like, hey, I want to put your work on stage. And mm-hmm. yeah, what we put out into the world is challenging. But then I'm like, Pina Bausch must have made really shitty works. Like, she must have made some like, like Yeah, yeah you just don't hear artwork. about those we ones. We yeah. They don't tour.
1: We yeah. never
2: saw them.
1: Right. I have to constantly remind <laughs> myself of that. I'm like, yeah, you're so early in your career compared to We're the young. people that yeah. you look up to yeah. that you can't you have to remind yourself that you can't be making what they're making
0: now because yeah. I think there's like an excellent Ira Glass quote about that, that like Kylie Thompson recently posted. Yeah. And if we we should go back and look at it, but it's like the fact of the matter is that you're going to make shitty work.
2: Yeah. yeah. You're and like, it's okay. Yeah.
0: you're going to make mistakes.
2: And you're going to learn from them. Yeah. Yeah. Like I learned so much from the works that I've made that I didn't like.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Probably more than I learned from the works that I was like really happy with.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: Um, Can you talk a little bit about the works that you don't like or that you made that you didn't like?
2: Yeah, I did a show called Paths and I was trying out a lot of really new things for me. I wanted it to be, um, I wanted the choreography to exist in loops. And the idea was that people would wander through a maze and encounter different movement vignettes along the way. And they could like choose to stay and watch something or they could like move on and watch something else. Mm -hmm. So the way that I structured the piece was that it was like 30 minutes of material that repeated over and over again. And people had like 20 minutes in the maze to wander and do whatever they wanted. But some of the material was like very crafted and very set. Some of the material was structured improvs to get people from one place to another. Some of the material was literally just like traveling from like solo point A to solo point B in like a interesting way. And then there was, so there were like duets and solo moments, Mm -hmm. like some duets choreographed, some duets structured improv, some solos set, some solos not set. And I just found that there's something about losing the control of what you're showing the audience. I realized that somebody's experience of that piece could have been all of the transition moments And I started to ask myself, like, is the experience the same? Does it have the same weight? Right. And I also, like, because of the venue situation, I couldn't rehearse inside the maze. Where was it? Can I ask? It was at uh, Artscape Young Place in one of their flex studios. So, like, I would rehearse with the dancers and I'd tape out the shape of the maze. Right. The pathways. Yeah. Yeah. But... As soon as the walls went up, everything changed. Like the movement that I had seen in the studio, sitting at the front, watching it at the back of the space, all of a sudden became like claustrophobic Mm -hmm. in these confined spaces. Right. And I didn't have enough time to address that in my like setup tech. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So there were, there were things where I was like, oh, like now I know that if I was to do something like this again, I would like find a space where we could rehearse in the maze structure. Because it's, like, site-specific. It's, it's totally yeah. site-specific. Okay. Right. And, it, like, it was a really cool idea. Like, I'm I'm really intrigued in the idea of the piece. I just didn't think that the execution of it... Like, it, it again, just needed more time. I needed, like, another six months to, <laughs> right. to develop it and explore what it meant. And also, like, to see what it meant to have movement be really intimate. And, like... Some movement, when you get really close up to it, all becomes flaily because that's all you can see. Mm -hmm. Whereas I'd like crafted these like beautiful architectural moments and these like tender touches. But when you're so close to it, you can't see it because I don't know.
0: Perspective. perspective.
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Have you seen Sleep No More?
2: I haven't. Yeah. But everyone's like, you need to go to New York and go see it, and I'm like, yeah. yes, I need to go see something more.
0: <laughs> yes. So I'm very lucky because I've had the privilege of seeing that show twenty f- zillion times. Wow. <laughs> My sister's in it. Amazing. So the first time I saw it, I like only yeah. saw the transitions. Mmm. And it wasn't until Ginger like told me where to be at certain times, or like they would just like take me. Yeah. That I like really started appreciating it because you get lost and you just don't see anything and you can't see the story. And you lose
2: interest. Like I thought that it would be nice for audiences to be able to choose if they wanted to stay and watch something or like leave and find something else. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, maybe, maybe you're giving too much choice. Like people might not know what to do. And it's like, how do you prepare audiences to see that kind of work? That was another question that I asked myself. Cause I had this like big, long list of things that I told audiences to make them feel safe. Yeah. But I didn't give them any directions on how to like engage with the performance.
0: Right. Mm. And I was like, maybe. Did you want them to engage with need the need performance them. in the sense that besides watching or what other.
2: Like the performers did ask them to do things. Okay. Like there was participation. Mm-hmm. It was all like consensual you had to ask and then an audience would either like take or say yes or no Mm -hmm. um I also like I had flashlights where if a person was feeling uncomfortable they could put a the flashlight on the floor and the performers would move away from them like Mm -hmm. it was very clear Mm -hmm. what like who had control and also the performers like we had the conversation around um if a stranger comes into the space and starts touching you, like, what do you do like them? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or I told, I basically told the audience members, like you can't touch a performer unless they like offer to engage with you and then you can reciprocate or you can say no.
0: And did you have security at all? We had me
2: wandering through the maze, Mm -hmm. um, like there in case anything happened. And we also had like the, the, they, I basically said, if you're in a moment of stress shine your flashlight on the ceiling and I will come find you and like remove you from the space mm-hmm. so like security in a way but it was also like a small room it was probably like the size of this
0: mm-hmm.
2: area so it wasn't
0: big it,
2: yeah I mean in my dream that maze would have been huge yeah like right giant but again funding renting spaces money yeah. Time. Um, yeah. Right. That was kind of what was available. Did
1: anything happen where you had to like help? No, nothing bad
2: happened. Um, we, Summer Works that year had made it so that every show had to be wheelchair accessible. Mm-hmm. So we made the maze wheelchair accessible and it had to be like, everything had to be three, like all of the passageways had to be three feet wide right. for a wheelchair to pass through. And we had one person come through in a mobility device and I like my heart stopped and I was like, Oh, I had tested the maze out in a wheelchair before the performance to make sure that like everything was good. But there were, yeah, there were things I also learned about that, like backing up in the maze Mm -hmm. is hard because there were dead ends. So like Mm. you get to a dead end and there isn't actually enough room to 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 turn around. around, So you have to like back up. So there were like little things that, I, and I like approached the woman who attended after the show and I was like, how was that for you? Like, this is new for me. If you're like willing to share some of your opinions, I would love to know mm-hmm. what that felt like. And her response was, I felt like I was in the way of the performers. Mm. I was like, that's really interesting. But I also got that response from people that like weren't in
0: mobility devices. Like, right. oh, I
2: felt like I was in people's way and I was like, huh, like that's interesting.
0: It's also so Canadian. Yeah. (laughs) Because, (laughs) sorry, but like also, (laughs) because the problem that they have in Shanghai with Sleep No More is like completely different than the problem that they have in New York with Sleep No More. Because I've like been there when the performers have had issues with people like getting too close to them. Wow. And they have to get like a little bit aggressive and like they do like tons of workshops. But in Shanghai, they get like... In New York, they get crazy sometimes, but they at least offer you like some space like yeah. this. But in the Shanghai show, it's like wow. people are there, to the performers. Like they don't yeah. have any wow. personal space really. So like a lot of da- a lot of dancers won't do that show for very long. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which but is, I think, this, like, I'm just saying it was very Canadian for people to <laughs> yeah, think that because anywhere like else you would way. never oh, you'd never really depending on where you are. In certain regions. I think it depends yeah. how people feel. Yeah.
2: I think like audience engagement is really interesting to me and the, like the ethics around audience engagement are mm-hmm. really interesting to me. Like who has the power? How do you make both parties feel safe? Like are the performers safe? Are the audiences safe? Who's more important? And like, mm-hmm. there's all right. these questions that I found myself asking, but again, had wished that I could have had more like test audiences. Right. And like, mm-hmm. test audiences are great, but they're also usually your friends, and your friends are going to behave the way that they think that they should behave. Right. They're, and they're not actually, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, they're not
0: actually <laughs> the best test <laughs> audiences. Yeah.
2: But yeah, no, I was lucky that like nothing from that perspective went wrong, but ultimately, I found that the way I had imagined the experience was very different than how the experience actually happened. Mm. Hmm. Um, but again, like i learned so much from that, from that show and it wasn't like a failure, but I just wasn't, I didn't have that sense of like, Oh wow, I'm so proud of like what I've done. I was like, Oh my God, I've learned so much, (laughs) (laughs) which is great. Like I think both are really valuable, especially as emerging
0: artists. Like, Mm -hmm.
2: Do you if think you're free. still
0: an emerging artist, or do you think you're an artist now?
2: Yeah, I mean, no sir, I think, I think I'm an emerging artist.
0: artist. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, I mean, I just hear. From, <laughs> sorry, that was. It was like a lot of people that I talk to now are like, "When well, I'm done, when am I going to stop being emerging? Like, when yeah. am I going to be done emerging? No, I'm, right. I'm emerged." <laughs> you know, <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> I mean, I founded my company in 2015. Like, it's only been three years. Yeah, it hasn't been that long. I mean, I think I've. I've done a lot and I'm proud of what I have accomplished, what I have done and mm-hmm. like the opportunities that I have received, but I definitely see myself as emerging. I think, I don't know, I think you can be emerging your entire career as your interests change. Mm-hmm. I think like the Canada council says 10 years, you can be emerging for 10 years and then you're and a major artist. <laughs> yeah, I know it has <laughs> so long to wait. But, But I don't mind. Like I, I bring in outside eyes to all of my creative processes and I like, I reach out to senior artists or artists that I admire and like always ask for support. And Mm -hmm. like, I hope that that always continues. I hope that even as I'm a like mid-career artist, I'm still asking
1: people that I admire to give me feedback. Yeah. You wouldn't want to be so encompassed in your own bubble that you don't, don't receive feedback, don't want feedback. Yeah. never change or do anything different.
2: And like the questions that you, you don't ask that somebody's like, Hey, have you thought of this? And you're like, Oh my God. <laughs> like, right. Thank God you said something. Cause I never would have seen that in my work. I never yeah. would have thought that
1: about my work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, speaking of funding, mm-hmm. just having a, like a look at your website and all your projects with all of the mm-hmm. lapels on the bottom. Um, to me it looks like you're successful with funding.
2: Yeah, so that's it's interesting cuz I it took me um 3 years to get a grant. It took me 3 years of rejections to get my first grant. And something that like I really believe in is being able to pay artists and being able to pay artists like appropriate fees. That's something that I like wholeheartedly will always follow. So I'm somebody that won't pursue a project until it has funding associated with mm-hmm. it. Okay. Um, so what you don't see on that website is the like hundred rejection letters right. that I've received <laughs> over time. Yeah. Because I mean, like when I first got out of school, my friends and I, like we work differently. We started a thing called the Research Exchange where there were four of us and we each got to guide a creative process and the other people were our interpreters and we kind of like the garage Mm -hmm. we use it as an energy exchange just to like feel like we were making something Mm -hmm. and like in that circumstance i like it was fine that none of us were getting paid but professionally especially under like my go the go-to company which was founded in 2015 because i got a grant Mm -hmm. to make my first work um. Yeah, that's something that I I don't think I'll ever change. Is the fact that like I won't start a project until there's funding right. attached to it. But that again, like
0: mm-hmm. I
2: have so many heartbreaking <laughs>
0: stories. <laughs> you didn't get the grant. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like I still don't think I've gotten an OAC dance grant
0: ever. Oh.
2: Like I've just never been hmm. successful and I've applied so many times. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, funding is tricky and you never know and it's heartbreaking to feel like you've put something really like stellar together and you still get no and mm-hmm. that's so I think the hardest part about being an artist that no one ever talked about is the rejection. Like the rejection from going to auditions, the rejection from mm-hmm. grants, the yeah. rejection from festival opportunities, the reduction from residencies, like we're getting from your peers, (laughs)
1: peers. like you
2: just, you hear no so often. And that's not to say like, yes, I, I have received grants. And I think that that's like, I'm so grateful to be able to pay people and to be able to bring people together. And I also take on, like, I take that as a responsibility too, to like create really great working environments to like collaborate with people that also have the same values as I do and to Mm -hmm. continue to perpetuate this idea that like we need to pay ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I probably pay myself the least (laughs) out of everyone still to make a project feasible and a project happen, but that's a
0: choice. Would you think would be such an obvious thing as someone who feels that they need to pay artists, but it's not. It's
2: yeah, fun.
0: a lot of people pay themselves a lot of shares sometimes and it doesn't work out that way.
2: Yeah, I think if we like if we expect this art form to continue, we have to value it. Yeah. And like I get it and I get like I can see my peers getting their friends to work for them for like really like low rates or for nothing at all, just so that they have something to make and to show. And for me, like, I just, I don't want to be a part of that. I want to like move our profession forward so that I can have conversations with people that work in other fields Mm -hmm. and know that, I'm paying myself to do this. And it's just as valuable as you paying yourself to be a lawyer. Like, right. That's so important and integral, but it also like, it slows me down a little bit. I also like, I don't make group works because group works aren't necessarily like, they're Visible. not affordable. <laughs> <Yeah. or feasible. laughs> not feasible. Yeah. And I mean, totally. I'm lucky because I love intimate work and I love like duets and trios and mm-hmm. quartets and like solos. But, but yeah, I'm also like, I also know that I'm potentially holding myself back from other possibilities because I'm paying people mm-hmm. CATA rates. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: Which is, if anybody's curious on what those are, they're on the website. They're
2: on the <laughs> website.
1: <laughs> you can look. Pay
2: hey, your artists. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, do you feel, have you noticed the funding change in the last few years? And like where it's being allocated, who it's being allocated to. Yeah.
2: It's interesting. Like I, I always say that I feel like I've been in the right place at the right time in terms of like the grant world. There's been a shift on like bringing new voices, bringing diverse voices to the forefront because we're having a national conversation around like privilege and Mm -hmm. power and like Mm -hmm. power structures and the art specifically, like who's who's had access and who hasn't had access. And because I am a like female identifying visible minority, I think that my voice is part of what people are interested in supporting. And that's something that I like, it's a situation, it's the way it is. And for me, I try to use that as a way to again, like give opportunity to people that haven't had the opportunities before. Mm -hmm. Like my mandate has always been to, to, yeah, give voice to people that feel underrepresented. And I think the fact that like, I am a part of a community that is having more support given to them now to kind of like level the playing field that's the point of my work too mm-hmm. so it feels like it feels good yeah yeah
0: have you ever had any people um any backlash about that from people
2: oh yeah yeah like i
0: have friends
2: that are like oh like you you only get funding because of the color of your skin or like oh you're getting selling this yeah it's like oh you have well <laughs> like not like friends friends okay. but like
0: acquaintances. <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: Or there's this energy around like, oh, like you're lucky you have more opportunities than I do. And I'm like, well, let's unpack that statement. Right. Right. What's right. Really? Mean? Let's have a conversation around Yeah. That. Yeah. Like, let's no. look at, let's look at the history. Let's not just look at this moment. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's yeah. see what you're saying and what that actually means. And this idea that like somebody might feel like they're losing something, um, because somebody is like finally stepping up to be at the same level that they are. Like Mm -hmm. this is a metaphor that I really love that, that, yeah, by having one person like step up to where you are at, if you feel like you're losing something where actually you're not, you're just seeing that people are joining you Mm -hmm. on your stare. And that like, that breaks my heart that it's, it's hard to hear that, like, people think that I'm getting opportunities only because I am a diverse artist. And, like, I, like, I think that my work is meaningful and I think that my work is, right. like, challenging notions about the world. And I think that I have, like, a craft. And, uh-huh. like, I think that, yeah, so... People that... Yeah, it's hard to hear those
1: things. But Yeah. It, also, like, I find that people that think... In that like zero sum kind of mindset. Like if Mm -hmm. you, if you get something successful or if you have a moment in your career where you are being pushed ahead, that it's taking away from
0: me. Right.
2: Peggy Baker said this to me once, well, to like a group of people, not like a good thing. Uh. (laughs) No, she she (laughs) said like when one person succeeds, we all succeed. Like when one person from our community succeeds, we all succeed. And I was like, Peggy Baker, you're the most beautiful person (laughs) in the world. You're so nice. But I just think that that sentiment is so true. Like why... But again, it's, it's re- hard. It's really hard not to
1: be jealous. Yeah. It's
2: really Especially hard. Especially in a
0: very small community. Yes. Like yes. And we're all friends and we're right all like yeah.
2: trying to get the same money. We're all mm. trying to get the same jobs. And I feel jealousy too. And I don't know how to deal with those feelings. And yeah. I have no tools to like have conversations with the people that I care about when I see them moving ahead and I'm just like, ugh. Oh why not me? Yeah. Why yeah, not me? Right. But also like so great for you. Yeah. But how,
0: how do we stay <laughs> humble? So great. So great here for you. And I'm
2: oh over gosh. here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like things, things ebb and flow. Like I go through phases where I don't have work and I'm like, how am I going to pay rent? And mm-hmm. I get, really scared. (laughs) And then I have moments where I'm like, wow, this is amazing. People want to work with me. And I think that's like figuring out how, how to make this lifestyle work for you. Like I, I do film and editing on the side to bridge the gaps between creative work. It's Mm -hmm. something that I love to do.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, it's similar, but also different And we all like, yeah, we all have the things that we do on the side. Like some people teach, some people, um, like some people teach dance, some people teach fitness, some people serve, like there's, there's all the things that artists do (laughs) to make this life work. And we do it because we're passionate about Mm -hmm. the art form. And do you ever struggle with the balance of that? Yeah. I'm like a total workaholic, I don't. I'm. I'm actually really bad at taking time off and saying no.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel like you're on that. <laughs> I just
2: like feeling like I'm letting someone down is the worst feeling for me. Yeah. And like I am learning now how to say no and how to prioritize things that like matter to me more. But it's still like it still comes down to the fact that like we live in a really expensive city. The cost of living is ridiculous. Like mm-hmm. we have to we have to survive. Yeah. So saying no is also like a question of, can I afford not to do this? Right. Which and is it's shitty catch 22 Super of that is,
0: <laughs> is saying no coming from a place of privilege. Cause there's people out there asking, yeah. Oh, why aren't I being asked? Or why aren't I being yeah. this?" So also not saying no, you don't also think about like, Oh, like, do I have time for it? Do I have this? But like, Am, am I going to feel bad for this choreographer if I say yeah. no to them but also like what about the people that aren't being asked are they going to be yeah. mad at me yeah. and like yeah. all the things so many weird layers uh. emotions from so many different forces coming at you making you feel a certain way about saying yes or no or You know, it's hard.
2: Yeah. I always say like, I wish I had a trust fund. (laughs) Like it would just be so nice to not have to worry about all that and actually say yes to the things that you really want to do. And that's something that like, is my life goal right now is to just say yes to the things that I really want to do and to, to not to not let what I think other people are going to think affect my judgment, but it's like, it's hard. It's a work in progress. I fail all the time. Like a while ago I was like, I'm going to make sure that I have two days off a week and like, here I am working like two weeks and there's no days off. And I was like, all right, like you said to yourself, you weren't going to do this. Why is your schedule full again? Like, Oh,
0: right. How do you deal with that from, uh, your partner's perspective? I actually recently left my partner. Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. (laughs) We were
2: together for eight years and I, I chose to end the relationship. And I mean, like I can talk to my experience before that happened He was also a workaholic and he was also a contract worker. So it worked because we both understood our lifestyle Mm -hmm. and we'd spend time with each other when we could spend time with each other. But now it's interesting, actually, now that I'm single again, I'm realizing how much his support helped me do some things Mm -hmm. like picking me up from rehearsal when I get off at 10 p.m. in his truck and, like, going grocery shopping with a vehicle
0: and, like... Having someone to complain to that isn't necessarily an artist and just can tell you that it's going to be fine. Yeah,
2: (laughs) Yeah. like, the the support of a partner through all of that was really special, and it helped. And I'm, like, realizing now... Yeah, how much how much I've relied on that in the past eight years and now being like on my own again for the first time, I'm like, okay, like I have to readjust (laughs) a little bit. Like things are gonna be a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And like that's okay, but now things, everything takes a little bit longer because it's just me. And I'm at the beginning of figuring out what that means in terms of like giving myself time off. Mm-hmm. Cause now my day's off. I'm like, Oh my God, I need to go grocery shopping.
0: Oh my God. Laundry. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <on> laundry.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Little things, but, but we can do it. I think it's, it's again, just finding, finding what works for you. Like for me, even I'm at like, I'm bad at taking time off. Even when I have a day off, I'm like, Oh, but emails I'm like, Oh, but like admin and I'm Social like, media. maybe you just need to like actually take a day off, yeah. but we're not taught to do that. And our community doesn't, um, support that really. Like, no,
0: it does not.
2: Yeah. That, Toronto like- is,
0: I'm finding this Toronto very challenging for yeah, like you said, not allowing people to take yeah. time off.
2: And, like, you're supposed to be accessible all the time. Like, I've turned my phone off for, like, an hour. I'm going to turn it on, and I'm probably going to have, like, ten text messages with, like, people that want something from me, mm. and, like, five emails with, like, more things that people want from me, and, like, a schedule to respond mm-hmm. to. And mm-hmm. I'm just, like, we're... And in. if I wasn't sitting here this hour, I would be going through all of those things. Right. But that's constant. That's, like, from... I don't know, 9am till 11pm mm-hmm. every single day.
0: But it's also like the idea of like preaching every, all of that on social media that I find is really hard. Like yeah. people constantly with social media, yeah. you know, showing people how hard they need to, they're working because they feel yeah. that they need to show yeah, people. Yeah.
2: yeah. For me, like social media has become a business tool. Yeah. Like my Instagram account is a, trying to get people to understand that like my company is doing things yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like be, if I have a show, like find out about it and come, but then it starts to become really impersonal because all I'm posting is about my creative work. And that's not the only thing that I am. Like right. mm-hmm. I am also, I have other interests and I have like other people in my life, but, but yeah, like social media as an artist start starts to feel like it's literally just a business tool. And I'm just like, Oh, it's so ingenuine.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Or it's like a constant, like humble brag. Yeah. Like, (laughs) Oh, look at me. If I, I like have, yeah. Hashtag, we talk about this a lot, but like hashtag blessed, hashtag booked and blessed, hashtag hustle, hashtag this, hashtag
2: the struggle is real. Yeah.
0: The humble brags on social media are so like deteriorating for people that, are following you yeah. and I understand that you're posting it because you need to maybe f- get that yeah. thumbs up and get that little boost of confidence. But like the amount of people that you're affecting by posting a humble brag on yeah. social media is So much more. Like it's it's so hard for like other, especially as artists, because everybody's following each other. Everyone's this. Everyone's that. Look what this person's doing. Look what this person's not doing. Look at this. Yeah, Mm. and you
2: feel the pressure to like engage and like and like because of the reciprocal nature of our community. Because it is small and
1: incestuous (sighs) and like. What would you just for conversations like? What would you classify
0: like a humble brag, if someone's like reposting work or reposting? So not like work. Like like I said, I think like advertisement behind your own work is Mm -hmm. that's. People different. need to be aware that's different. Yep. But I think like in terms of people going like, oh, you know, talking about like facts that I guess, mm-hmm. you know, Facebook facts. Mm-hmm. So like, ha ha, this funny thing happened to me, blah, 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 that. But like this funny thing happened to me where I almost booked an edition and right. I became this person <laughs> and then I right. booked this. Right. Uh, ha ha, ha. <laughs> like is it uh, ha, ha ha or did you just, you're just try trying to and say like
2: I got this awesome opportunity yeah but in a yeah in the backhanded way like I would love to see somebody post like I just went to an audition and I got the role like this is incredible yeah. like that I'm like oh my god I want to support right. you but when yeah. it's like oh like it's the yeah,
0: yeah it's the way like, it's Meh. worded and it's the way that people go about yeah. it I think because mm. like, you also want people to be proud of what they're yeah. doing yeah. and want to yeah. share it right that's yeah. fine yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's sometimes... I like the tone. I think sure. the tone, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think... Like, I try to be very aware of what I post in terms of, like, my stories. Because I feel like that's the... A lot of people... That's, like, get where it gets misconstrued often. Mm-hmm. Um, more in this past year about, like, mm-hmm. posting, like, things I'm doing or something like that. Yeah. Um, I just think that... It's sometimes it's very, very hard, especially if you're mm-hmm. not necessarily working right now as an artist and you go on and see people doing that. You're like oh. flush the toilet. That's yeah, where social I am. <laughs> weird. It's hard. It adds yeah. pressure.
2: It adds expectation. Yeah. It shows you what you think you should be doing, even if you aren't doing it. And then yeah. it also shows this like fake. Yeah. Fakeness, where you're like, no, you didn't just
0: wake up looking like that. No,
2: or like... I know that filter. I use that filter all the time. <laughs> yeah.
0: I also love that. It, by the way, Instagram oh. has it shows that you're using a filter now. Yeah, used to oh, not. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like great. Do you want? It's like a little. I think it's an advertisement because it'll yeah. be like made with
1: X filter. Try it here. So you click on it and like takes oh, you. But
2: like sneaky. now everybody
0: see so if know. they're posting. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. You know. I have
2: no idea. That's great.
0: Instagram's being a shady bitch <laughs> um, Alright, on that note mm-hmm. is there anything you want to promote right now? You have a show coming up this time next year, you said
2: Yeah, In the Abyss is my first full-length piece which is really exciting and it's looking at um, the scientific fact and beautiful metaphor that we are all made of stardust and Ooh. yeah, just trying to like find what is, the, what is the thing that we all have in common and how can we all relate to one another which is kind of a departure from the work that I've made in the past. I've Mm -hmm. focused a lot on like the heavy, dirty, gritty, raw subject matter. And this is the first piece where I'm starting to embrace the idea of hope and optimism and like getting us to a place where we can move forward Mm -hmm. from the darkness. And that's really exciting to me. But um, I'm showing a work in progress of In the Abyss at the Czech Begins to Dance Festival that Native Earth hosts in November. Um, otherwise, no, like I, yeah, I'm not producing anything this year, which feels really, really good. And I'm a part of other people's projects, which is something that in the past hasn't been as much a part of my creative life. And I'm, yeah, I'm just starting now to interpret for other people and find out like what my role is giving to someone else's creative process. And that's also really exciting.
0: Great. Is
1: being an artist fucking killing you?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Being an artist is killing me!
1: Not really, though.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm still here. I don't know. I think, like, we... um, As much as we complain, like, there's nothing else that I would rather do. There's nothing else that I could ever see myself doing. And... I really think that our voices as artists in community and in society are so important and if we can find like any way to get through the bullshit that is this lifestyle, we need to try to do it because yeah, we're valuable and we have a lot to offer society, so don't let it kill you. Keep fighting.
1: Great. Thanks so much. <laughs> so nice. Thank Yay. you for coming.
0: Go follow us on Instagram. Go follow Ari on Instagram at the Go Company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, do you have a Facebook page, Ari?
2: Yeah, it's just the Go Company. Yeah. You can find more information on my website as well.
0: GoToCompany.org. Great. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for listening, everyone.